Thanks, Daniel. <coughs> Excuse me. My name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here as well, and it's a, a joy to welcome all of you here this morning. And I know that process of installation takes some time, but I think it's so good for us to recognize that, that God has given us those gift of leaders. And I am just so thankful for all of you and, and for the gifts that God has given to you. And so uh, thanks for taking the time to think about that with us as well. Three weeks ago, we started a series on the Holy Spirit, and we've been uh, doing that for the last couple of weeks here. And, and on week one, what we did is we asked, who is the Holy Spirit? Try to get an idea of who is the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the Holy Spirit being God and the Holy Spirit being the one who is on center stage now and a person and, and that the Holy Spirit is a servant and, and the Holy Spirit is, is not under our control, but the Holy Spirit controls us. And so we talked about the Holy Spirit and who is the Holy Spirit. And then last week in week two, we talked about what does the Holy Spirit do? What are the activities that the Holy Spirit is involved in? And we use the image of a guide. We said the Holy Spirit, as we go through life, is like a guide that, that, that does it four things for us. He convicts us. Sometimes what the Holy Spirit does is just reminds us that we can't make it on our own, that we need Jesus Christ to save us. And so the Holy Spirit is a guide who convicts us, and the Holy Spirit directs us. And let me just, real quick, I, a couple of things I, I should have said last week that I didn't. We talked about it's primarily through Scripture, through the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit directs us. But sometimes the Holy Spirit does use nudges. Sometimes we get a sense that God is calling us to do something. And, and we just say, you know what, it just feels like this is what God is calling me to do. A couple of things if you have those kind of things. First, the Holy Spirit's not going to contradict Scripture. Okay, It's not the Holy Spirit telling you to have an affair. All right, I've heard that before from people. I want to say, he doesn't do that sort of thing. Okay, So it's not telling you ever to contradict Scripture. And it's always wise when we feel leadings like that to, uh, to check them out with others in the Christian community. To, to see the internal call. They say, did, did others see it? Do others see those gifts in me? So just wanted to, to make sure we kind of understood those things. So the Holy Spirit convicts us, directs us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. And the Holy Spirit comforts and assures us. And, and so it's an amazing thing, if you think about it, that, that we get to go through life, that we have the opportunity to go through life with the Holy Spirit, with God himself, inside of us, empowering us, guiding us, directing, directing us, and, and, and doing this for us. And, and that leads us to the question for today. And, and that is, how do we then live by the Holy Spirit? I mean, if, if that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, how, how, do we, how do we live that way? How does that affect us? How does that impact us? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it mean to live by the Spirit? Again, three real quick introductory comments, and then we'll start to give some answers to that question. But again, first thing I want to say is that every believer in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll, people, you'll hear people say, no, I became a Christian, but then later on I, I received the Holy Spirit. The fact is, I think the Bible's pretty clear, and I'm not going to go through all of it, but that when we become Christians, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, we not be, might not be real strong at walking with the Holy Spirit yet, and I think that's what we need to recognize, but everybody who belongs to Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit alive in that person. Second thing to recognize, kind of the other side of things, is that no believer lives con completely under the control of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the reason I say those two things is, is because, again, sometimes we in the church argue, and sometimes we argue about saying, well, I didn't have the Spirit, and then I did, and sometimes it's... But I think what we need to recognize is the bottom line is the question for each and every one of us is not how do we get the Holy Spirit, but how do we live more and more by the Holy Spirit? Everybody who belongs to Jesus Christ has the Spirit. Nobody has it 100% until we die, right? Nobody's completely Spirit-controlled then. So guess what? We're all in the same boat. 
We're all in the same place of saying, okay, then, then how do I live more and more by the Holy Spirit? How do I more and more let the Holy Spirit have control of my life? How do I more and more let the Holy Spirit direct me and convict me and empower me and comfort and assure me? How do I let the Holy Spirit do those things? In order to answer that, I want to look at Paul's letter to the Galatians, 11 verses, chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. And I'm just going to read them for you here right now. Paul writes this. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. He's been talking about how to live the Christian life. And he says, this is how you do it. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. There's a battle going on inside of you, Paul is saying, between your old nature, the flesh, and the Spirit. They are in conflict with each other, so you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, by that voice inside of you, you are not under the law. It's not you're doing it because you have to. You're doing it because you're led by the Spirit. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, Paul says, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Again, I think it's just interesting that Paul, you know, immediately talking about spirit and says, now don't get envious and don't provoke each other. I think from the very beginning, Christians have said, I got more to spirit than you, yada, 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 whatever. I mean, it's just, you know, we tend to, don't worry about that. Just let's each of us learn more and more to live by the spirit. So how do we do that? How, how do we live by the Holy Spirit? Uh, last week, I gave you the image of a guide, you know, and I said having, having the Holy Spirit inside of us is like having a guide that convicts and empowers and so on. This week, I want to suggest another image that will carry us through the three things I want to say, and it's the image of a ship, the image of a ship getting moved along and how that ship is moved and what happens with that ship. So, and, and I thought, you know, it's interesting to think of what kind of a ship would Paul have been thinking about when he talks about wind blowing and a ship moving and so on. And, and so this is actually a Greek trireme, it's called. I'll tell you why it's a trireme in a moment. But uh, this is a ship that was there uh, in Paul's day as well, even though the Greeks were earlier, it lasted. Um, it's just kind of dimensions, 121 feet long, about 18 feet wide. There were 170 oarsmen in three rows. That's why it's a trireme, three rows, right? You can kind of see where that is on there, but they had 85 on each side. Can you imagine the coordination it takes? to have 85 people on each side rowing together. And then up here at the front, we see the, that was used to ram other ships um, in battle um, and just to look really cool, right? So, I mean, the Greek government 20 years ago rebuilt this, and uh, there's one that actually can go around the world and fly. There's one look of it. There's another, another look of it can, can sail and can do all the things. So you'll, you'll understand how that kind of works as we go through this. So how do we live by the Holy Spirit? Three things and again, I'm going to give this fairly quickly, um, and, and we'll go through these more deeply at another time. This, this is going to require more attention in the future. But the, the first thing, and, and this is often not where I was thinking of starting, but it's where Paul starts. What Paul says, if we're going to live by the Spirit, I think he says the first thing we have to do is we have to put to death the old nature. 
we have to put to death what Paul calls the flesh. If we're going to be under the control of the Spirit, the first thing we've got to do is to get rid of that which the Spirit is fighting against, and we've got to put that to death. Let me read again. Verse 17 says this. For the flesh, that old nature, there's, there's a part of us, when, when Paul is talking about us, he says there's a, the part of us that's sinful and selfish and wants to do everything for itself, he calls that the flesh. It's not that our body is against our spirit and our spirit is good and our body is bad. But he's saying inside each and every one of us who belongs to Jesus, there's an old nature that wants to be selfish, that wants what it wants for itself. And, 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 and that old nature is contrary to the Holy Spirit, to the new nature, to what God wants to do through Jesus Christ. And the Spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. You've got a battle going on inside of you. That's why, I mean, you know, we... People, even non-believers, I mean, they, they draw these pictures, right, with a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other, because we've all felt that battle going on inside of us. There's a part of us that, that knows what it is to do good and wants to do that, and another part that doesn't. So they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. In fact, Paul says, in, uh, going on in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. They have put it to death with its passions and desires. What does that mean? Let's think about that. We must put to death the old nature. And, and the way I want to say this, and it kind of sounds odd to talk about this in church, but we've got to kill the old captain. I mean, the first step of being spirit-led is to kill the old captain. And again, let's look at our, our ship here, and we're going to zero in on, on the back part here, because right here we have the rudder of a ship, right? That's what steers it. That's what controls where the ship is going to go. The rudder is attached to a tiller, and then up here would be where the the captain, or for those of us who are not nautical, the guy who's steering sits, okay? And, and you can see he's got two rudders, and he would hold them, and, and, and he would do that, and, and that's how he would turn the ship. He would pull them back, forward, whatever. But that's where, and, and what Paul is saying is that inside each and every Christian, there is a battle going on in that spot over who's going to steer, over who's going to be in control of the rudder, over who's going to decide where we go. Paul says there's a, an old nature, the flesh, and there's a new nature, the spirit. And that's why I say what we are called to do, the first thing, if we're going to be directed by the spirit, is we've got to kill the old nature. We've got to kill the old captain. We've got to, we've got to crucify it and, and be done with it and fight against it so that more and more the spirit can take control. Great, how do we do that? <laughs> what does that mean? How do we kill the old captain? How do we crucify the flesh? How do we put to death the old nature? Again, we'll, we'll spend a whole sermon on this. There's maybe even a whole series on this at some time. But, but two things to just kind of give you to think about. The first comes from a, a tool that we've used recently as well here, but uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 86. It talks about killing the old, and it talks about starving the old, and, and, and about putting it to death. And it says there are three things we can do. And, and, and I want you to think about these, not just now, but later on. Because on, on the one hand, we say, oh yeah, I do these things. On the other hand, I don't think we necessarily do them nearly as seriously as we ought to. The first thing that the catechism says, and, and I think it's based on scripture, is in order to kill the old nature, we've got to genuinely grieve sin. I mean, genuinely grieve it. And you say, well, I've repented of my sins. I said I was sorry. And... and and, and I believe that, and, and I think, you know, we've done that, but, but I stop and think about it. Think of the way that you sometimes talk about those things that are sins in the past. I, I think about it, and I catch myself doing this, uh, of course, never with myself, because I don't have very interesting sins, but think about how do you talk about times when, when you've been part of a party that got drunk? You laugh, most of us. 
man, remember that night? It was, I mean, it was wrong, but oh, it was so much fun. It was so great. Remember what Billy did? You know, I mean, jumping off that, and, and, and we, we laugh, and we talk. And I think, are we genuinely grieving sin? I, I think about, honestly, ask yourself, can you say that you genuinely hate sin, that you grieve sin, and then talk with great joy about sins you've committed? And I, and I think so often, think about it. You know, you might think about a time when you've put somebody in your, their place, I, I probably spoke to, I, I'm, I'm in church, so I have to say, I probably was too strong on that, but boy, did it feel good to give her what she had coming to her. Boy, did it feel good to put him in his place. Hold on. Do I genuinely grieve my sin? How do I expect the Holy Spirit to guide me when I do not genuinely grieve my sin and hate it? I mean, that's the next one, to hate sin more and more and to flee from it. And, and, and I just think, you know, that's so, this really is convicting for me. Because like I say, I think all too often, I'm sorry for my sins, but not that much. Because <laughs> they're fun. Now again, sin is tempting. That, that's the pro- it's tempting because sin often is fun for a short time. But how do I get to the place where I genuinely recognize the pain that it causes in such a way that I don't celebrate the joys temporarily that it brings how, how do I help myself to see the damage if you maybe the best example of it or one of the ways that that's helpful for me to think about it is I, I found myself um, you know do- jokes about drinking become much less funny when you know an alcoholic who has ruined his or her life right they become much less funny because it's not just funny that this person got drunk you now see what it did to their kids Now you see what it did to their spouse. You see what it did to all of this everywhere down the line. And you say, folks, it ain't so funny anymore. And and, and so I think more and more as as we grieve and hate sin and and flee from it. So we got to starve the old. And and, and I just ask you to think about that, to say, how how much do we do that? And and, and, and like I said, I want to come back to this one and, and, and reflect on it more at another time. So we feed the, uh, we starve the old, and then and I think part of how we kill the old is also by feeding the new. Um, and, and by this, I mean, you know, by, through scripture, through, through Bible reading, through prayer, through worship, we feed the new. And, and, and the reason I mention this one is there's an image that just has always been the one that comes to mind when I, when I think about killing the, the old nature, when I think about crucifying the old nature. I don't know if this story ever happened. Preachers tell it like it has, but who can trust them? Um, you know, a story guy has two dogs, and they're always fighting, and somebody says, you know, which dog wins? And the answer the guy gives is the one I feed the most. Whichever one I feed the most wins in the dog fight. And in some ways, that's part of what's going on here. Who's going to steer your ship? Whichever one you feed the most. What are you doing? Are you, are you spending time feeding the spirit or spending time feeding the old nature? And, and, and by that, I mean, again, I'm thinking of, let's say I struggle with, with just materialism or something, which I, I do, we all do, I think, to a degree. Spending four hours at the mall does not help me fight against materialism it feeds the wrong dog and so what am I feeding with the way I'm living my life all right so that's the first thing we got to we got to kill the old captain all right if we're going to be led by the spirit if we're going to live by the spirit we need to to crucify the old nature all right the second thing we do is is we must be led by the spirit 
Sounds a lot like living by the Spirit, Ron. What are you talking about? Why is this significant? Well, Paul says in 5.18, Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And the word that he uses there for led, and this is why we're calling the whole series blowing in the wind and so on, the word that he uses there is to be under the power of someone or something else. And it was a word that was used of a sailboat. A sailboat was led by the wind. A sailboat is, is led by the wind. It's brought to where it goes because it's under the power of the wind. It's under the power of that other thing, that wind. And, and, and so what Paul is talking about here is, is, in a sense, a passive kind of thing of saying, all right, being, living by the Spirit is, is letting God's Spirit lead me. It's letting God's Spirit blow me where he wills, he wants, where it's, it's, it's pushing me along in that way. And so what I suggest is that, you know, the second thing, we kill the captain and then we catch the wind. We catch the wind. And, and here, you know, um, you can see this trireme. Um, it's got the oars, but it's sailing by the sails. It's sailing by the wind. It's going by where the wind is taking it. And, and that's what it's doing. This was not a terribly fast boat. And there are some sailboats today that uh, just fly. Um, and and this next one, this is called a phantom flyer, I think. Yeah, it's a flying phantom. That's what it is. And this guy, they, they go over like 35 miles an hour in like 25 mile an hour winds. I don't know physically how that happens. But you can see, I mean, this, it's just catching the wind. And it, all it's got underneath are two little rudders at the back. And one other thing that's got a little hook on it. You, you got look it up and watch a video, Google it. A little hook on it. That's all the resistance. Other than that, it is just catching all of that wind, and it is absolutely flying. I mean, it is just, I mean, it's almost literally flying. It's barely in the water, but it is just going. And living by the Spirit is, is learning to catch the wind. It's learning to, to catch the wind, all right? So, again, that's really cool advice, Ron, and that's a great picture, and that sounds fun, but how do we do that? How do we catch the wind? Again, uh, three things here, again, very quickly. But you'll, you'll, I think with the image, you'll be able to remember them well enough. But, but the first thing is you go where the wind is, right? You don't create wind. No sailor has ever created the wind. You just catch it. And, and, and so part of what we do is we say, where's the Holy Spirit at work? What is the Holy Spirit doing around me? What is the Holy Spirit doing? Where is the Holy Spirit at work? And then we go catch it. We go, we go watch it. And so some of it is just saying, what is God doing in our world? What is God doing in our lives? A, a, a sailor knows you've got to go where the wind is. And, 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 and there are some places where it's stronger, some places where it's weaker. But you go where the wind is. And then kind of the main one, I think, is, is put the sails up. Is, is we put the sails up and, and, and we just do what we can to be ready to catch the wind. When that trireme has its sails rolled up, when they're not out, it's not going to catch the wind. doesn't matter if it's in the right spot. It needs to have the sails out. So, so what does it mean for us to put our sails out? Two things I want to suggest here. First of all, begin the day with God. And, and I was just thinking about this and I just wanted to tell you, for those of you who have kids, it's a lot easier when they move out. Okay, I am just going to be honest with you. Uh, it's gotten a ton easier because you know how I have to get ready in the morning? This guy, right? And that's it. I don't have to get anybody else ready. I get to wake up. And, and, and it's so much easier when I don't have to start my day with changing diapers or start my day with feeding kids or driving them to school or whatever it is. Hang in there, those of you who are in that situation. Really, it gets better, and, and someday you'll like your kids. No, you'll, I'm sure you love them now. Um, but, you know, it, it does. And, and, and so I, please know 
that sometimes we don't get necessarily a lot better at something. Our situation changes and it gets a lot easier. But, but to just begin that day, even, you know, it's, it's not necessarily 10 minutes, but just something that you start every day with just saying, God, today, help me to walk with you. God, today, help me to walk with me. You know, I don't know why almost every morning, the first, one of the first things, I think because our bedroom is on the east side of our house and then the bathroom is there too. And so almost every morning, and I, not because I'm so holy, but I, the first, one of the first thoughts I have is when morning gilds the sky, my heart awakening cries, let Jesus Christ be praised. It's, a, it's an old hymn. But it's just, and, and I just think, God, thank you that that's, and, 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 and so it just kind of says, all right, as, as the sun rises, Jesus rises, and God, let my, my day be a praise to you. And, and so find ways to do that, to somehow begin the day with God. And, and, and that's kind of setting the sail. Um, and, and, and then throughout the day, all right, throughout the day, be open to, to God's leading. And Thomas Kelly said this, and I think it's helpful. John Orberg quotes him, but Thomas Kelly said this, there's a way of ordering our mental life on more than one level at once. You all do this. We call it multitasking now. On one level, we may be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating, meeting all the demands of external affairs. But deep within, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, we may also be in prayer and adoration, song and worship, and a gentle receptiveness to the divine breathings. So it's, it's kind of saying, you know what, as I'm dealing with whatever I'm dealing with, I'm in this meeting at church, I'm also saying, God, is there anything you want me to be knowing right now? God, God, how do you, what is your take on this situation? Where are you in this? And, and just learning to kind of consistently, I, I, this past week I did it, and I should do it more, but I rode around a fair amount without the radio on. And I found myself much more able to do this, <laughs> just to be able to kind of say, God, what's up? How, how are we doing? Anything going on that I should be noticing? And, and to be aware of that, it's It's possible. It's not always easy, but it's possible. Again, it gets easier when you don't have kids in the car. But it's just, you know, to, to live with that deeper awareness. And, and like I say, it's, I think, putting up the sails so that we can catch the wind. All right, the third thing um, that we can do here to, to, to catch the wind, and, and this is the toughest one because it's not at all natural for us, but we wait. Because sometimes we're in the right spot. <laughs> Sometimes we got the sails up, but the wind, for whatever reason, stops blowing at that moment, or it's not blowing exactly where we are. And, and, and so I think it's really important for us to wait. We talked, uh, again, in the first week of saying we are not in control of the Holy Spirit. We don't get to say, Holy Spirit, blow now. No, what we say is, all right, I'm going to be here. And, and again, in Acts 1, verse 4, Jesus says this to his disciples. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, after he had risen from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And we know that this had to be at least 10 days uh, before the Spirit came. And so they sat in Jerusalem and they waited. Their sails were up. They, 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 they were beginning their day with God. They were seeking to, to, to destroy the old nature but they were just waiting. And then the Spirit came and they moved. And, and so it is a process of waiting and listening and, and being ready. And so, again, I think that's so hard for us because many of us are doers, many of us are active. So we put to death the old nature. We must be led by the Spirit. And then the final thing, we must keep in step with the Spirit, okay? 
We must keep in step with the Spirit. All right, what does this mean? Galatians 5.25, rooted in the text first. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And, and what I want to suggest here is if that second one of putting up our sails and so on, of, 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 of being led by the Spirit is kind of passive in a sense, it's, it's just depending on what God is doing. And, and this is now kind of active. This is now saying, all right, now it's our job to keep up with the Spirit. It's our job to stick with it. And so, uh, in, in a sense, what I would say for this one is to row the bro- boat and trim the sails, okay? To row the boat and trim the sails. It's, it, when you're sailing, you're still working, right? Here's, again, the picture of the trireme under, under sail, but you also have the oars down here. They're doing both in order to catch all the wind that they can. They're, they're rowing the boat, but they're also trimming the sails. And, and again, if you watch the video of these guys, if you watch the video, they are working like crazy. It's one of the reasons that I, I would rather go out on a motorboat than a sailboat because it's a lot of work. I mean, sailboats are beautiful, but for those of you who do them, it's a lot of work, right? These guys, you watch the video, they are just, they're, they're, they're just, it's crazy hard to, to put themselves in a position where they can catch you. And it's such a good picture, though, because they're working like crazy, but they're not making the sailboat go. It's only the wind that's making the sailboat go, but they are working like crazy to be in the position and to keep up with the wind. In fact, again, they do it right. They can blow as fast as, if not even occasionally faster than the wind. Now, don't, don't take that the wrong way. We don't move faster than the Holy Spirit, but, but they, they are just working like crazy, and so that's what I, what I think about, and, I, and what it means, I think, is, is that we obey what the Spirit calls us to do. Keeping in step with the Spirit is doing what the Spirit has called us to do, to, to obey, and, and, and even when it doesn't feel natural. Sometimes it does, but for me, that's rare. Most of the times I have to decide, okay, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I have to keep in step, and I have to remind myself. There are occasions in my life where I feel like I did the right thing, and I didn't feel like I had to think about it. It just happened. And, and, and those are wonderful events. And, and, and my prayer is that more and more that happens in our lives as we learn to, to keep in step with the Spirit, that it becomes a natural thing. I was, I was talking to somebody in the congregation earlier this week about this whole matter of being Spirit-led. And I, I remember I, I played tennis in high school, not really well, but um, I had taken lessons. We actually had a tennis court where I grew up and in our house, or not in, but at our home. And, and, and so I'd taken lessons. There is one 15-second period in my tennis career where I felt like I didn't have to think about anything. I, I was hitting balls in practice with our coach, and it was all of a sudden, it's like, it all came together for just 15 seconds, and I felt like I wasn't swinging hard as all, but I was swinging as hard as I could. And, 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 and the ball's going, you know, like this far over the net, and he's just rocking them back. He was good. And it's just like, oh, this is awesome. And then it fell apart, and I've never been there again. But just for a moment, if you've ever had that of being in the zone or whatever it is, where it just, that's what it's like to be led by the Spirit. That's what it's like to, to all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I got it. I'm keeping in step and, and the Spirit is leading me, but I'm also, I mean, I was working. And, and so that's, that's what it is when, when we obey, even when it doesn't feel natural, sometimes it becomes natural and more and more. And so, yeah, we must keep in step with the Spirit. So those three things. If we want to live by the Spirit, I, I know I've given you a lot of stuff in a really short amount of time. But again, kill the old captain. Ask yourself, am I feeding the right dog? Am I hating the old nature? Kill the old captain. Put the sails up. And, and, and then keep, keep trimming the sails. Keep, keep being in step with the Spirit. Keep trimming those sails. 
And more and more, we're going to discover the joy and the amazing gift. The Holy Spirit, and, and this kind of wraps it all up, wants to help us more and more. God so much wants to convict, guide, encourage, direct, empower, comfort, and assure us. And the challenge for each and every one of us is will we learn more and more to let him? Let's pray together. Father, this is so much. And a lot of it's going to just kind of, we'll, we'll miss it and we won't remember it. But Father, I just pray now that by your spirit, you will help us to grab onto at least one or two things that we can walk away with. Whether it's starting our day with you or whether it's hating the old nature more or whatever it is, Father. We, we want to really, and, and thanks for loving us even when we get it wrong. I mean, even when it's just work for us and we don't get it right, you love us and you forgive us. Teach us more and more to live by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction. Uh, again, we're going to, after the service, there are going to be some folks who are going to be in the prayer room if you'd like to meet with them or pray with them. And again, stick around till 11 o'clock if you want to hear more about uh, some of where we think the Spirit is blowing here at Hillside. As we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with each and every one of us. And may we learn more and more to live by the Spirit. Go in God's grace. Amen. <laughs>